He answered that that was not. He's full of shit. I'm not ready to say it's going to happen this season. It's going to happen this season. Do whatever stupid deals you want to do with the most ridiculous buyouts in the world. Hey, you want to be careful. We get a total pass. We get a pass. Give us our jerseys back. It's our birthright. Hey, everybody. It's Chuck. Welcome in. I believe that Ryan Day has made some changes philosophically in the way he's operating the team that combined with Nick Saban's retirement are about to propel Ohio State into the next tier, which is basically the super team tier. I think they're about to start running the sport with Georgia. And I'm going to tell you why. And you can tell me how crazy I am after. Okay. So we all know Ryan Day has not gotten it done at the highest level. That's undisputed. But even the born on third base crowd can admit that Ohio State is extremely close. The Georgia semifinal by one. Um, losing to the eventual national championship last year and their only loss in the regular season by six in Ann Arbor. I mean, they're right there. And when a program is this close, I think a coach has two options. The natural and easy thing to do is to dig in and say, we're right there, a couple of breaks the other way, and I'm a national champion, and just status quo, head down, nose to the grindstone. Uh, and that actually could be true for Ryan Day, a break the other way, and he could be a national champion. But he's not doing that. He's going the hard way, and the hard way is risky as well. He's looking at his program, he's looking at himself, and he's saying, I'm not good enough, this program isn't good enough, and he's making changes, and he's doing it at the absolute perfect time, as I think Alabama is coming crashing back down to earth. I did a whole podcast about that, but we'll just skip it for now, and you can take my word for it. Alabama is coming crashing down to earth. He's pushing the Buckeyes right into the spot that Bama's vacating. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I'm about to lay it out for you. I really think that Ohio State, along with Georgia, will be running this sport for the next five years. So let's go over what's changed in Ohio State, and we'll start with coaching. He gave up play calling. It's incredibly hard for a guy like Day to do. You know how these offensive weirdos are. They're so into plays. like They're, just, they're strange. He talked in a press conference the other day about sitting at 12 o'clock at night talking about a third and four late in the fourth and what you're going to do and, and what you need to do to be a good offensive play caller and him not being able to do that and run the team. So he's sacrificing his baby, what he loves, the play calling, for the good of the program, and he knows he needs to do it. So who do you bring in? Chip Kelly. Look, Chip Kelly's not a great head coach. We can all agree, okay? But he is a great play caller in my opinion, and even if you don't think he's a great caller and you th might think he's washed up, that's fine. But I think that we can all agree that he's absolutely perfect for Ryan Day. And not only Ryan Day, but offensive line coach Justin Fry, who is a Chip Kelly guy and the offensive line coach at Ohio State and has struggled for the last couple of years with his offensive line. Pairing him with an offensive coordinator that's very familiar with him, along with Ryan Day, like the three of those work guys working together. It sounds like the absolute perfect situation, and it just kind of fell all together perfectly for Ryan Day. Uh, he got rid of his friend and special teams coach, Parker Fleming. He made a mistake in hiring him, made a mistake in extending him, fixed the mistake. Tough decision to make. He demoted quarterback coach Corey Dennis, son-in-law of Urban Meyer, who since left the program, went to Utah as a GA, so he clearly wasn't happy, and I'm guessing Urban probably wasn't happy either, just speculation. But either way, we know that that was a very awkward 
situation for Ryan Day to have Urban Meyer's son-in-law as his quarterback coach, someone not just on the staff, but working with him like right next to him all the time because Ryan's always with the quarterback. So definitely a difficult move for him to make. He got rid of Coach Perry Eliano, safety coach who had a unit that played really good this year. And all we can see from the outside looking in is Perry was not closing in recruiting. He wasn't getting it done in recruiting. I'm sure that played a big part in why he let him go. But that's a cutthroat move, man. All of these are very personal cutthroat moves. Ryan is a genuinely good man. I really believe that. I also believe that can kind of hold a coach back from acting on things like this quicker. And I think that he is seeing it and he's rectifying it, putting his feelings aside and doing what he needs to do. But maybe the most telling thing as we're talking about coaching is a hire that he has not made. James Laurinaitis is in that building. He's coaching the linebackers. He's not on the staff, but he's all the way bought in. He's sweetened pictures with the D-line and the linebackers at his house for the Super Bowl. He's smart. He's hardworking. The other coaches love him. The players love him, and we know the fans love him, right? Well, the recruits love him too. He's just been traveling in a temporary capacity because they're down a coach. So he's been able to travel legally because he's not one of the 11. So he's been traveling. The recruits are posting pictures with James Laurinaitis next to him. And they're, and they're pointing up at him like they're, they're awestruck by James Laurinaitis. Like obviously a layup hire, an easy hire. So why is it a good thing that Ryan Day hasn't offered him? Because it is such an easy hire and he's not doing it. It's such a layup. It's a pat on the back. He makes that hire. Everyone says, great job, coach. Great job, coach. He's showing us he doesn't care what anybody thinks. He's going to do it his way. He's going to, if James leaves, James leaves. That's the, way he's, that's the way he's getting down. And you can't do anything but respect that, even though I think it would not just be a layup hire, but the smart hire. Maybe he's thinking defensive line secession for Larry Johnson also would be a smart hire. But either way, he's owning his program, okay? Let's talk football players. Every college football fan knows Ohio State has a top five talented team in the country every year. We're talking about the program with the most draft picks in the history of college football, third most first rounders in the history of college football, six rookies of the year since 2016. Since 2014, they've been the top five in recruiting eight times, which is incredible because they're doing it with a self-imposed disadvantage. Back to that in a minute. But so many top recruits narrow it down to Bama, Ohio State, and Georgia. And if you follow recruiting, you see this all the time. Ohio State has won a lot of those battles, but Saban's Bama is the undisputed king, and we all know that. But that is over. But let's start with the portal class rankings. The portal class that rocked the college football world. The six-man portal class, one of the smallest in the top 25. But he did beat Georgia for Caleb Downs, crown jewel in the transfer portal class. He did land the best running back in the portal class with, Qu with Quinchon Judkins. He did land one of the best quarterback prospects in the 24 class with Julian Sane. That one was more telling than anything. More on that in a minute. And yes, money matters. Of course, money matters. Money's always mattered in college football. The truth is, Ohio State NIL was terrible for the last two years. Absolutely atrocious. Nowhere near the level of the other top players in the NIL game. I've gone over why it sucked in the past. I don't need to get into that in this video because that's not the point. The point is, Ohio State now has a robust NIL machine. And having a robust NIL machine now needs to be a top priority for a big-time college football coach. Ryan Day put in a lot of work 
to get it to where it needs to be and to do it fast. He deserves credit for that, in my opinion. Um, he went about the portal by filling philosophy, his philosophy that he's had the whole time throughout the portal is he's going to fill positions in need. That's what he did. Every one of those dudes, except for Julian Sam, was a position of need. He's used NIL to make it a realistic option for almost his entire senior class to come back. But they weren't just enticed by money. This is an entire senior class who has really, as a whole and individually, underperformed to their own expectations, certainly to ours as the onlookers. We all know that. This, this class has underperformed. Jack Sawyer, JTT, like Trey, these guys were not supposed to be here as seniors, right? But NIL has now afforded them the opportunity to make it a realistic option for, to stay that extra year, improve their draft stock, and make more money in the long run. It's good for everybody. Of all the mess that NIL is, that particular one, seniors coming back, is awesome, and it's the best thing that's come out of it. Let's talk about recruiting, where in my opinion, and it's early, but this is where we can see the national attitude shifting in Ohio State pulling into Alabama's former parking spot, so to speak. Ohio State just secured a commit from Naeem Offord, the number one or two corner in the country, depending on what service you're looking at, out of Birmingham, Alabama. That's massive, and it tells me what recruits are thinking about Kalen DeBoer's Alabama, and that is, buddy, you got to show me. Uh, and I think it's, it, this first year is crucial for DeBoer because the momentum is swinging, and his schedule's tough. We went over it the other day. But it's not just Naeem Offord. Nationally, everybody knows that Brian Hartline is a ridiculous recruiter, and he brings in crazy wide receiver classes every year. It's gotten to the point where top wide receivers, they want to play for Brian Hartline. They're saying, I want to play for Brian Hartline. They're not even saying Ohio State. They're saying it, but like they even kids know Brian Hartline before they're even being recruited. I, I can't recall a, a guy who, who's known for recruiting quite as much as Brian, Brian Hartline is at this point. But it's time to get hip to Tim Walton nationally because Tim Walton didn't just secure Naeem Offord out of Alabama. He also landed Devin Sanchez, the number one or two cornerback, depending on where you look in the country, out of Texas. So that's the top two cornerbacks in the country from Texas and Alabama, two top six overall players. But he doesn't just like corners because he also got crystal balled for the number one safety in the country in Fahim Delane out of Maryland. The number two safety in the country resides right up the street here in Shaker Heights, just outside of Cleveland. He's a legacy, an Ohio State legacy, and obviously a Buckeye lean. They're also crystal ball by Steve Wiltfong from 247 for the number four cornerback in the country, Dorian Brew, also out of Texas. And there's more. And there's last year. But you understand where I'm going. The one, two, and four corner in the country and the one, two safety in the country Nobody but Saban has ever come close to putting together something quite like that. And it shouldn't be lost on anyone that three of them and Caleb Downs all hail from Kirby and Sark's backyard. But there is a final change that Day needs to make recruiting. But first, let's talk about Julian Sand. Julian Sand coming to Ohio State is what first set off the bells in my head that something different was going on here. When Dylan Rayola decommitted from Ohio State, Ryan Day got a hold of Julian Sand. And saying at the time was firmly in Camp Bama. So Day moved on. He ends up securing a commit from Air Nolan. He secured that commit pretty early in the cycle. And Nolan was a fantastic commit. He's an excellent quarterback. No distractions. 
He was all Buckeye. He helped recruit his classmates. Seems like a really awesome young kid. A, a real class cornerstone type of guy that we see, right? So we hear that Saiyan may want to come to Ohio State all of a sudden after Saban steps down. And Ohio State meets for two straight days. Ryan Day calls the staff. Two straight days they're meeting, talking about the quarterback room. What are they going to do specifically regarding Saiyan? Are they going to take him or are they not? Are they going to pursue it or are they not? Uh, Ryan Day ends up coming out of that meeting, and we hear shortly after that Julian Saiyan is now committed to Ohio State, which means Ryan Day had to get a hold of Camp Nolan and let Aaron know, hey, remember that other quarterback in your class that I was interested in before you? He's going to join you in the same class. That is something that there is zero chance Ryan Day does prior to this season. No way. You cannot convince me otherwise. And it's another example of a guy who's just a really good man who is feeling like he's being forced to go against his natural instincts to run an absolutely cutthroat program. He's doing it. He's doing a killer job, guys. And he's since come out and said that decision was extremely hard for him to make. Was it the right one? There's more. There's more. There's one more cutthroat move that he needs to make. And it's something that's been going on for a while. I don't know how many people are really tuned into this, right? But I went back four cycles just looking at Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama. And in those four cycles, comparing the three of them, Alabama has brought in 109 players. Georgia has brought in 104 players. Ohio State has brought in 88 players. That's essentially five classes for Bama to Ohio State's four in the same time period. And Georgia's not far off Alabama's pace. The fact that Ohio State has been able to compete with them as well as they have with those kind of numbers is pretty insane, right? And I get it. It sucks to filter out the bottom of your roster. It's clearly something that Ryan Day has been uncomfortable with, and who wouldn't be, right? But if he wants to level the playing field with Bama and Georgia, he's done everything else. Assistant coach pay, that you know that went up. NIL, that goes up. Everything the SEC kind of does that's seedy, Ohio State eventually comes around to because they don't want to do stuff. They begrudgingly do it because they're not going to get left in the dust. And I appreciate that. You know, this stuff makes Ryan Day uncomfortable. This is not the kind of dude he is, but he's decided he's playing ball. And if I was the rest of the power players in the country, I would be scared to death of what's going on in Ohio State. I think Ryan Day will make that final change. There won't be any more 21 and 22 player classes, and I think that's going to happen this cycle in 25. So Ryan Day's a good dude. A lot of this garbage is not the way he wants to operate but he's clearly evolved. He's accepted what he's got to do. He's not settling. His roster is now incredible. His staff has been massively upgraded. He's freed himself up of play calling. Support is at an elite level. Recruiting momentum has never quite felt the same. Bama is over. Can't convince me otherwise. They are not going to be that Georgia status anymore. And it is Ohio State who is going to move up into that role and it is going to be Ohio State and Georgia who are going to win multiple national championships in the next five years. That's my case. Let me know what you think in the comments. If you're new here, I'm Juck. I'm new here too. Do a show about four or five times a week, mostly Buckeye stuff, a lot of national stuff. It's not always so serious, a lot of laughs. 
join me anytime. Please like and subscribe. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks.